while there's 8,000 other things going on in our life, the farm is still happening. <laughs> we've, we've said that a couple of, in the last few episodes, we've been talking about a lot of deep family stuff, but then we've also been like, oh yeah, and by the way, we have sheep in our backyard. 8,000 oh, yeah. is an underestimate. <laughs> so a couple of mornings ago, I go over and have coffee with my parents almost every morning of the week. Mm-hmm. I miss one or two sometimes, but my parents watch the pond. The pond is directly out from where they sit and have coffee. And we've got those red tail hawks, you know, that have been around. And yes. we've got a red tail hawk that has decided this is his pond, this is his home. And he apparently eats crawfish out, out of the, the pond. Oh, wow. So apparently we've spawned a few crawfish in the pond yeah. over the seasons of accidental walkers into the pond. Uh, who knows? Then all of a sudden they said, oh my gosh, there's like a goose out there and the hawk's trying to chase the goose off. And then later on that day I was out in the backyard and the goose wasn't a goose it was a duck Mm. and it was in our backyard and kai shin was like kind of not chasing it but definitely like trying to check it out like what are you doing back here why are you here i've seen charlotte's web they were just being friends i think he thought it was a chicken at first because he didn't like go after it but now he kind of like chases after it and he he will chase the ones that are on the outside sometimes like he gets real excited or he'll just be running around playing and they'll like run off from him I was in the backyard today, and the younger ones are starting to get out. They're starting to jump up in the tree and Everyone's fly out. exploring. And some of the little ones, the little flyers, Sparrow and that other one. What's that one that has the funny name? Shogun. Shogun. Yeah. They fly out. They're, they're small, and they fly out. Of course, a little bird. She's always out. Well, we've got this Muscovy duck. We kind of chased him. I kind of moved him out of the backyard, thinking he'd just maybe fly off or whatever. And he flew up on top of the roof of one of our porches that looks over the chicken run. Right. He is trying to get inside the run with the chickens. He wants to be a chicken. And later on that day, guess where he was? He was inside the run with the chickens. You called me. He's in the run. I said, let's keep this duck. (laughs) Go inside and scatter feed, chicken feed, across the ground so that he has some food to eat. And maybe he'll stick around. That'd be cool. A duck. Yeah, so you went out that night and checked to see if he had gone to bed with our chickens. And of course he did not find a duck. I didn't expect him to. But he's coming back every day. Today, he was back in the run again. Tommy came out. We hadn't talked about the duck yet. Right. And she'd gone over because when she comes, she always brings over some food from her home to feed the chickens. She loves to feed the chickens. So that's the first thing she does when she gets here. She comes back up to the front. Um, Well, one of the roosters is out and i said oh i go oh did you was the duck back there and she goes yeah there's a duck in there <laughs> I, I was very confused about the the rooster is out and the duck is in one and of what's these going chickens on? have morphed <laughs> i don't know whether the one we have is a male or a female not i think we might need to do a little bit more research i'm curious if it's just a migratory bird let's gong this one and then we'll do some more muscovy duck research you've got it We have another creature that has decided this farm looks like a good place to live. Yeah, there's free food on the ground. Uh Uh-huh. So are you going to be a nuisance or are you going to be something that we're like, okay, cool, you can hang out here. Like the red-tailed hawk has turned out to be, you know, hey, it's all right. Not not like we're going to do anything about the red-tailed hawk, by the way. The skunks, when there were too many skunks, we were like, yeah, we've got to take one of those off, you know, the the possums, you got to carry one of those suckers off. By the way, there's a possum around, but it doesn't seem to be causing too much trouble as of yet. She goes back over to the pen later on, and then she comes back out again, and she tells me, he's chasing the chickens around. And I'm like, okay. So I tell you, 
you need to watch out for if our egg count goes down. Because what happens a lot of times, and I actually am wondering now whether the loss of that one rooster and then the fact that old man, he just cannot hang in there. Right. I mean, he's real healthy now. Like, he's real fluffy. He's got good feathers now. He just can't do the deed. He cannot do it. He cannot He cannot get on. He jumps <laughs> and he falls off. He cannot do the deed. He just can't. So I wonder about that, you know. And then, of course, you've got possums and skunks and things going on around. And, you know, they've got a scare factor and the daylight hours are shorter and... The media has scared them into believing that they're everyone's trying to get their eggs. I'm trying I don't to keep know. them off they're their phones. Like, <laughs> they're trying to keep them off their phones. I'm trying to keep those chickens <laughs> off their phones. Don't stay read away from the media. the media. Don't watch the news. So many memes <laughs> going through my different social media feeds about the price of eggs yeah. and yeah. So our egg count has been down, yeah. but we're back up again. Yeah. So keep an eye on that. Whether this guy is causing a, this guy or gal, whatever, our is chickens causing are a pooping nuis- gold nuisance. Yeah. So now I'm really paying attention because you also told me the other day that the new white crested, Polish crested, these are the ones that have like a bunch of hair on their head. You know, they, their hair stands up straight. It's like they have a punk rock haircut. Yeah. So we had we ended up with two of those and we knew that one of them was a rooster. That's when we're calling Elvis, right. right? And you had said that you'd noticed that the white one was chasing. Inside the coop. And then you he kind of what fell out like he was playing possum or something. I heard a ruckus. I uh-huh. looked in the window. The white Elvis was chasing brown Elvis. Uh-huh. And then brown Elvis flopped down on the ground like it was dead. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no. Uh-huh. Because chickens will single out the weakest ones and begin to peck at them. And they, you know, they could take, take, it, they could take it all the way. Totally. Yeah. Is that what's going on? So I open the door and Elvis pops up and jumps out. <laughs> We know this guy's a rooster because we've seen him crow. crow. And I'm out there at sunset. And at sunset, the roosters are hopping on top. They are doing their thing. Even Elvis? Well, Elvis has been trying. Oh, interesting. He t- he's totally trying. But what happens with Elvis is he tries and then one of the other bigger hens chases him off of, right. her, of the little hen or whatever he's trying to get. So he hasn't dominated yet. He hasn't dominated. So I'm watching... And I noticed that the white one, the white Polish with the punk rock hair, is over at the fence line, like, bowing up at Kaishin. Interesting. He's a rooster. How do you know? Because he jumped on top. He did the deed. And here's the thing. I had seen the lady, like, shake and right next to him. And I was like, did he just jump on her and I missed that? And I'm watching now. And I'm watching these three roosters now, like, watching how they interact. Old man's over there in the corner. He's like... I'm digging up worms over here for my ladies. That's about all I can do anymore. You know, I can crow if there's a possum in the coop, but that's about all I can do anymore. I'm sorry. You know? <laughs> I'm retired from the mating game. And now we've got, and I've already named him. You named Elvis. I named Colonel Parker. The, because Who, the white? <laughs> yes. Perfect. Because God, that's good. Colonel Parker oh. is mean. Yeah. He's all like, back up, dude. And he's like, you can't have any of these ladies. And so every time Elvis tries to come around to like show off his fancy self, you know, and get up on top, he comes and just like stands up to him. And then one of the other hens, big hens, comes and just like chases him off or whatever. So we have a head rooster now. His name's Colonel Parker, and we have three roosters in our flock now. Mm-hmm. Is that too many roosters? It doesn't appear to be. Mr. Man is not, like, being aggressive at all. Yeah. The other two 
are establishing who's the boss and he the Colonel Parker's shown himself as the big big man on top these days. So that's what it is. We have a whole new thing going on, a whole new game show going on in the backyard now with a Muscovy duck, two young cocks, and one old man. I've said it before, I'll say it again. The chickens and the run are is my meditative spot. Mm-hmm. Speaking of meditative spots, all that qigong talk last week. Mm-hmm. I said, how would you feel if I completely invaded your morning quiet ritual and did qigong with you in the morning a few nights ago? Yeah, you've done it a couple of times. The person I like to follow that I've stuck with is Kaseni, K-S-E-N-Y. Okay. And she does like these, they're 10 to 20 minutes. So it's great for like a quick, like wake yeah. you up in the morning kind of Move qigong your body situation. Yeah. And on my personal page, I just share it every day because... Who knows who will pick up on this idea and it will benefit their life as well. We talked about it last week, Qigong. If it's something that you might want to throw into your daily routine, I've done it now a few times. I think I'm going to continue doing that with you. It gets me out of bed. Mm -hmm. I go Qigong with you straight to coffee over to this other couch because you won't clear off the laundry for me to sit down near you. No. Out of the chair. No, that's my zone. I'm sorry. Okay. You already invaded my Qigong space. And I'm creating my own little morning ritual. There you go. Speaking of meditative mental health rituals, I went to my first therapy appointment today. How was that? I like her very much. Mm -hmm. We have been dealing in our home with a parental issue Mm. the last week. And that's all that I'm going to say about that. But it has gone to top of list and top of mind. Mm -hmm. So I told her the reasons why I created the appointment. I had it all mapped out in my head how I was going to, I was going to give her my spiel, right? A la Aislinn. (laughs) At the end of the visit, I ended up giving her a bit of that spiel. I'll share it with you in a second. But a majority of it was about this thing that's been top of mind. Yeah. And she gave me some great input. It's nothing into the world, you guys, by the way. It's just Just, life. Yeah. just Dinner table talks. And the (laughs) family privacy. Yeah. This is more or less my spiel. I will attempt to control every conversation that I'm in, including this one. I have the ability and smarts to say words to you that make you think that I am completely getting wonderful therapy from you. Mm -hmm. But in doing so, I am not. I want to throw that out on the table so that you know ahead of time that I'm seeking to change those and many other behaviors. And she said, well, it sounds to me then that you need accountability. I said, yes, I do. And that you need me to help you focus on the task at hand. Mm. I said, that is exactly right. Don't you love that? That that was kind of the thing with my therapist was that she said some very specific things. She said, you're looking for acceptance mm-hmm. and you're looking for someone to help you take all of the confusion going on in your mind and separate it out, puzzle pieces, and then gain focus for your next steps forward. And I said, yeah, that's exactly what I'm looking for. On the way there, I texted you, quick call, question mark? I was busy. You were busy. You taught me how to do do not disturb on my phone. Yeah. And so sometimes I have to turn you off. So when you didn't answer, I had to just work through this myself. And that was, I'm frustrated that the reasons why I made the appointment are going to be eclipsed by this top of mind issue going on. And then I thought to myself, no, Joe, surrender control to the moment. Yeah, be in the moment. And... Even though I'm there for a long-term unpacking of a box that I have probably not even opened the lid all the way, there will be spot 
issues that come up in life that the objective listener is exactly what you need. And that's what happened today. And it was great. One of the things we've said over the last couple of weeks is that it feels like everyone that we're talking to is in crisis right now. I wouldn't say we're in constant crisis. It's just like, there's so much going on for everyone. Like they're dealing with children and they're dealing with someone passing that's very close to them, a friend, a loved one. They're dealing with financial crisis. They're dealing with, yeah, work. I mean, just like everything is Mm -hmm. just, it's like the Pandora's box has been opened up and you see it even though in a lot of the movies and TV shows and everything that we're seeing right now, it's like all of what we're seeing, which is part of why I constantly am saying, no, 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 I don't need to be shown how painful the world is. I don't need any more anxiety. I don't need to be pushed to know everything that's going on. I find it very valuable, like that from scratch show that I talked about. Right. If the return on investment for watching a show that has some crisis in it is that you begin to think, oh gosh, there's like real conversations out there in the world being had about these things or these things or these things, you know, and, and maybe that's me justifying like, oh, this show's okay. And this one's not. But for me, it's, um, it's the amount of pain they put into it. Are they showing you hardcore pain to the point of just trying to make you feel pain? Or are they showing you pieces of things and then giving you some relief? I've found this show, Ginny and Georgia, that I've been watching. Right. It was a mother-daughter and a single mom who has a child very young and has a sordid life and kind of how she's trying to get things straight with her two kids. Season one was fine. It's great. Watch it when it comes back around again. But nothing like, oh my God, it's so good. Oh, you know, season two comes along and they are knocking it out of the park. Where do you find the show? It's on Netflix. Okay. I posted it out there today. I love Jenny and Georgia and the number of women that, oh my God, it's so good. And yes, it's really speaking to me. And specifically, I keep saying, yes, season two. Wow. You know, season two, there's so many pieces of this that are really funny and fun, but also really like depression and self-harm and teenagers having sex and teenagers relationships and a white mom with a half black daughter. And what does that mean for a family of two different spaces? And can the white mom meet the needs of the black daughter? And the amount of things that are coming out of this are really interesting Mm. and really good and really helpful. I even heard them talk about, and it's kind of easygoing conversation with some teenagers, use the word leaky gut, and I don't pay attention to it, and I'm going to die from leaky gut. And when they said that, I finally feel like there's some more updated conversations being had. You know what I mean? And not from a place that's like so hurtful and harmful. Even the conversation of like, there's a girl, and she's in love with another girl, and that girl breaks up with her, and it's a very like easygoing relationship, but there's a breakup situation, but it's, they're gay. It's two girls, you know, and she's fallen in love with another girl, but it's not in your face, oppressive. Like we need you to see these things. It's like, this is just what life is like for teenagers at high school right now, as opposed to like euphoria, where it was like, I watched season one of euphoria and it made me so sick. I don't even want to watch That's a really two. good example, Euphoria, because we watched that together season one and elected not to watch season two when it came out. It was definitely a show 
that was showing you as much pain as possible. Mm -hmm. And pain is a character in the show. Yeah. This concept of everyone in crisis, I've got two, three good friends Mm -hmm. that I'm having conversations with that completely back this up, Mm -hmm. this idea. Mm -hmm. If you're not in some level of crisis... Consider yourself very lucky, but I know that you've got a really good friend or family member that is feeling that. And what do you do about that in a world where you're trying to be empathic and compassionate? And Well, for me, at my ripe old age, <laughs> I'll take that back, I'm finally learning to admit about myself this notion of walls and barriers that have prevented me from having deeper conversations. Mm-hmm. Starting to let that down and being honest about a few things in my own life. Mm-hmm. And that honesty is just returned. Mm-hmm. It feels like the moment that someone has an opportunity to offer you empathy, a balance occurs where they're going to then tell you their story where you have the ability to give it right back. Mm-hmm. I'm finding that over and over and over again, the more honest I am about the reality of many situation that I'm in. Listen, when you're talking about empathy and compassion, I have a tendency to be afraid to ask people how they are because I'm so not always good at putting up healthy boundaries that protect me and my sensitive nature. And then my energy gets just like ripped from me and I'm afraid of asking people how they are. So I'm learning personally how to get a better understanding of how part of it is the meditation and understanding agape love and having a different feeling about empathy and compassion. And I think that that's a huge part of what happened during the pandemic and then with the social media world. It's like, We're just separating ourselves. We're putting up more walls. We're putting up more fences. We're putting up more boundaries. We're putting up more things. But in the meantime, we're all in crisis now asking for each other's help. But I think when we stop for a second and begin to to have gratitude for the pain that is occurring in our life, and that's hard for people to understand. I know that it was hard for you to understand as I've been talking about that specific thing. No, you have to feel the pain. You're like, well, why would you want to feel the pain? I'm like, well, you have to feel the pain. Feeling pain on purpose feels like the opposite of self-preservation. Well, it's kind of like the idea that I kind of had let go of the concept of like having daily gratitude or having gratitude for things or putting gratitude out there because I would see people putting all this gratitude out there, but it didn't make any difference. Well, it's because if all your gratitude is, oh my God, I'm so thankful for my BMW and the fact that I have this lovely home and I have my morning Starbucks every like we just lay, label all the great things that are going on in our life. But then when the shit hits the fan, we're like, ah, panic, you know, whatever. If you look at everything that is painful in your life and you look at what happened afterwards, you will see given gratitude for the every crisis has an opportunity, given gratitude, you actually can alchemize pain and shift it very quickly into the positive thing that you're looking for. So giving gratitude to the challenges that we're dealing with. So giving gratitude to ourselves and the people around us for this pain that we're talking about Mm. helps us have better healthy boundaries. That's the best way I know how to say it. And watching this show and talking to my therapist and talking 
you talking to your therapist and then just being very focused on trying to really understand why, like you said, why, why would I want to feel pain? Mm. So I've binge watched season two, basically, of Ginny and Georgia because I've not been feeling well lately. Mm. I've been sick. And I said that the last couple of episodes yeah. and I went to a naturopath. Right. And I'm dealing with some serious hormonal imbalances. And the naturopath said, leaky gut is very likely like the top thing we need to pay attention to. Yeah. She gave me this autoimmune protocol diet plan elimination phase, basically, is what it is. It's kind of like the Whole30 diet. You're taking all these things out of your diet mm -hmm. and then eventually introducing them in in a regimented way to see then how your body reacts to them. Right. It's one of those things where it's like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Is it your mental health causing your physical health or is your physical health causing your mental health? This discussion has been going on since like season one when I started having thyroid issues yeah. and then grain and then, you know, all that thyroid, stuff. Thyroid, you explained to me, is an autoimmune disease. Exactly. Because of the fact that it's been going on this long and this is what's being brought up to me. This is going to be a subject matter that we're going to be talking about week to week. Yep. Because we're going to be talking about it as we sit at the dinner table and eat meals together. But also, I really feel called to understanding this because, frankly, I think we have an entire world of people that are dealing with autoimmune disorders because everyone has some kind of thing going on and lots of us can't figure it out. And a lot of the ones that they are even being labeled are autoimmune disorders. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people in crisis, so mental crisis, um, literally in where, where people are passing, young people are passing. We're killing ourselves off, it kind of feels like. And an autoimmune disorder is comparable to cancer, really. We just haven't called it that yet. It's so invasive of your immune system that... It acts similar, but on the other side. It's like the other side of cancer. And oftentimes, when someone has cancer, there are things that the autoimmune disorder did to cause the cancer to start, and then vice versa, right? And then the same thing for the medical protocols. So the medical protocols for cancer cause autoimmune disorders, or the autoimmune disorder medicine protocol is causing cancer. And so we're a science experiment right now. There's really no big, great answers for it. I'm not saying there's not research being done, nor does it need to be done. It does need to be done. It's a worldwide issue. Sure. Okay? Because in the 80s, we had AIDS mm -hmm. caused by a virus. This is what it is. It's just that no one's saying that out loud yet. We have viruses. Hepatitis and herpes and all of those things, autoimmune disorders. All of these autoimmune... Diabetes 1, autoimmune disorder. Alopecia thyroid, hyperthyroidism, hypothyroid, all these things that we've been dealing with year after year. Then you add in the ones that they didn't know, fibromyalgia, celiacs, all these new ones that are starting to come on. And they're all enacted by some sort of a virus in our system that causes our healthy immune system to attack our body. It seems to me that when you talk about AIDS as an example. It's a scary word like cancer. So let's start using it so that people get aware of what's going on. Well, where I was going with it was I was young, but I remember the advent of AIDS in the public vernacular, autism, mm -hmm. the advent of this new word, probably wasn't very new, but the 
mass mediaization of the word. Peanut allergies leaps to mind. Mm-hmm. Remember the first time a friend of yours maybe said, my child has a peanut allergy, and it was the first time you ever heard of that, and you're a little bit skeptical because... It wasn't the first time I'd ever heard of that, but yes. Well, there was I a mean, first time you heard of a peanut allergy being well, like Yeah, a, when I was a child, there were people that had peanut allergies. That but would it was kill like, them. Yes, but it was like so rare. That's what I mean. It was like one person in... A thousand people. Sure. Not And you're skeptical kid. of that. You're skeptical of that because that doesn't make any sense. And then you start to hear another story of a, someone that See, has a peanut I get allergy. I and... when everybody has it. I don't get skeptical when one person has it. I get skeptical when everybody has it. But I remember the first time that I was confronted in a public situation with an autistic child. Mm-hmm. I was at a tire repair place. If I see a kid and the kid looks at me, I'll go, hey, what's up, bro? You know, whatever. And he didn't answer back. And the dad said, my son is autistic. Mm -hmm. He presented it as if I should know what that means. But I think I went home and began trying to find out what that meant. Because I don't like to not be in the know. Autoimmune disorder here at the beginning of it really gaining traction as a thing we need to pay attention to feels like all of these things. The life cycle of something new and we as a society tend to reject i guess maybe i'm being anecdotal or subjective about it peanut allergy that can't be then you learn indeed i focused a lot on this kind of stuff like i focused on it because of being working in a children's hospital i focused on it because i was focused on it with me with my children everything and this is what got me freaked out when all of a sudden everyone was allergic to everything mm. and we were having autism showing up more and more and more, right. I was like, we're doing something. We are doing something wrong. This isn't like, oh, yeah, now they're just doing more research and they know there's more things wrong with this. No, we are doing something wrong. This is going to be a running conversation. I would like to bring up pieces of what has been suggested to me on the autoimmune protocol diet, the elimination part of it. I also would like to get your help in doing a little bit more research to bring in, like I sent you some information from the Center for Cancers in America, what they say about the correlation between autoimmune disorders and cancer. Right. Synthesize that? Synthesize that. that. Okay. And I also would love it if you would bring kind of what are some of the generic definitions and what are some of the, and I know you did this last week. But let's dig into this a little bit more because now I'm really dealing with something here. And yes, I have the help of a naturopath. And yes, there's lots more things that we can learn about it. Me learning about this out loud at the dinner table is going to be helpful to some other people too. And I've always felt like that's part of the reason why I've been dealing with the things that I've been dealing with in life. I also think that I've probably been dealing with this my entire life. Because I had that big traumatic accident when I was 13 that really affected my wellness. Just across the board, it really affected my wellness. So because of that, I'm very curious about which came first. The anxiety, the blah, 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 that came with an accident and trauma. Or was it that because they were saving my life, they were saving my leg, I was in the hospital for such a long time with so many kinds of drugs to keep me... Think about that. I ran over my leg with a riding lawnmower. There was dirt and mud and 
machine in, inside of my body, in right. my bloodstream. And they were trying to keep me from dying from a disease. That was the first thing they did. The first five surgeries I had was literally just cleaning me, cleaning stuff out of my system or whatever. To avoid infection. Exactly. What happened to my system that was activated even as far back as then? Because I tell the story of being 19 and having gastro problems. To this day, now I'm still having gut problems. I'm still having gut issues. It bugs me so much to know that our kids are probably dealing with this stuff. My kids are probably certainly dealing with it. Everyone I love is dealing with some kind of inflammation, some kind of concern about too much, what are the diabetes numbers, A1Cs and all that. It's all off the charts. You know, it's just like, and to try to look at a diet, how do you even eat the way I've been asked to eat, right? How do you eat? Very restrictive. I'm pretty certain that we talked about this many episodes ago, but one of our friends that has been involved with some of the farm to table things I've done, her Robert Chan, his wife, Sophia has alopecia and she was one of the first person. No, she was probably the first person that I'd ever met that said, I'm on a very strict autoimmune protocol diet. Right. What I'm doing right now is more of what you would call an elimination diet. So it's the autoimmune protocol diet, but it's elimination. So 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, kind of like Whole30, where I'm pulling it all out and then seeing whether I when start- When you say to- all out, foods that are known to cause these inflammations within you. Yes. And it's interesting. That's why I think this conversation is going to be a continuation because it's interesting and I want to talk about whys, like, because people are like, why? And, and I feel this way because some of the things, I read a book a while back I'll have to bring it back to you guys on another day, but it talks specifically about nightshades and eggs and dairy. Remind me what nightshades are? Nightshades are tomatoes, eggplants. It's a family of fruiting vegetables. Yes. And the nightshade is the family of plant on the planet that has the most poisonous plants. So if there's 15 poisonous plants on the planet that we know of for sure, 10 of them are in the nightshade family. And if there's 20 nightshade plants on the planet, we eat 10 of them. Uh And I talk about this oftentimes. Plants make it a way to try to kill you so that you stop eating their babies. You stop eating their seeds. Egg, same thing. Eggs, dairy. I mean, all of these things that I'm like, okay, these are our healthy things. These are the things we're supposed to be eating. These are the... But what we've done is we've cause such an issue with our immune systems and particularly our guts. We've created this leaky gut situation where we have a Passover where particles of food are getting into our bloodstream. Like the membrane is thin. Exactly. I'm with you. And that's causing all these other problems in our systems, right? For me, it's causing the massive hormonal imbalances, which sets off my typical hormonal imbalance symptoms, some of which are mental issues, right? This is a lot of information. And the idea that people are trying to figure this out. And at the end of the day, if you're trying to figure this out and you have no experience with any of this kind of diet, or you've never looked really at a lot of the ingredients Mm -hmm. or any of that kind of stuff, the first thing you're going to do is give up and go to the doctor and they're going to experiment on you. I went through that. I went to the doctor 
They talked about taking my thyroid out. That doesn't make any sense to me. If this is a systemic hormonal caused by a virus or... It also sounds like an easy way out. Well, I, you know, I, I don't want to say that. We don't have better answers. That's exactly what I mean. With the lack of better answers, let's just cut this thing out of you. It's not just that. It's not like, oh, let's just remove something or let's just give them some drugs to balance it out, which that drug causes cancer. It's also people dying or people really sick in the hospital and no one even knows what's wrong with them. Yeah, exact And I'm hearing this story so often. He's like 45 years old and he doesn't have COVID. That's always the first thing. He doesn't have COVID. Like that's the only thing that ever killed anybody, right? Mm -hmm. He doesn't have COVID. It's not, there's nothing wrong with his heart. All these things that are like the typical answers, they have no idea what's wrong. I have lived an entire lifetime of repeatedly doctors not having any clue why my body was acting the way it was. They didn't know. And they would just say, oh, here, try this drug or do this thing, or we're going to take that thing out. And oftentimes I would be like, no, you're not. You're not taking part. You're not taking my organs out. Like I, organs are here for a reason. (laughs) I like my organs. I'm sure that I will, will feel some pressure of some people that disagree with this particular thing. But I'm sorry, I have been dealing with these types of systemic lack of solutions for such a long time that I'm kind of tired of it. If anybody hasn't been able to figure that out yet. A few episodes ago, when I talked about having to go through the healthcare system and dealing with the CHIPS program and dealing with Medicaid with the babies and having to make phone calls and having to make calls to the government, make calls to the state to help me answer questions, to figure something out. And I remember saying to everyone, and this was 20 years ago, I remember saying to someone, how would somebody who A, doesn't speak very good English, or B, doesn't have a college education, or C, doesn't have a communications degree, or D, isn't a very aggressive and person that will make the calls. How can they navigate this system? How can they navigate these systems? And so this is how I I feel about this particular thing. I want to talk through each step as I go through it. I want to give people some help if it helps. If they come across some things that I'm dealing with, the symptoms that I'm dealing with, maybe that will key them to something that is going on with their body that they can begin to figure it out. You don't have to do it the same way I do it, but it helps to have, I said, my God, we needed a support group for just how to go to the grocery store and buy food. I can relate to that when it comes to you bringing up diabetes. And I've said that on the show before. My dad was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Wasn't the healthiest eater or healthiest taker carer of himself. But here's the drugs you're going to take for the rest of your life. And here's a Xeroxed piece of paper Mm -hmm. that kind of tells you how to eat. Mm -hmm. When in reality, a heavy dose of research... That as you say, you have to be pretty well educated Mm -hmm. to even get into the research Mm -hmm. to understand that this was a disease caused by your diet. And I'm no doctor, but it's a disease that can largely be taken care of by a huge shift in your diet. And here's a Xerox piece of paper that says, eat more veggies. I hate that comment where we feel like we have to precursor or pre... That's just liabilities, isn't it? I'm not a doctor, so... Well, so? 
But here's the thing, speaking of liabilities, half of the problem is, is that you can't even go into the doctor and tell them the things that are going on with you because the moment you say something, they care more about the liability of the issue than they actually do about dealing with the issue. Yeah. And so they just give you the exact prescription or they send you to the ER or they, you know, whatever. They won't even deal with the situation anymore. And they give you a cesarean. That. I know a lot of non-doctors who have eaten their way out of type 2 diabetes. So... Each week, as we're talking through this, as I'm learning new things, as we're trying out new recipes, I want to talk about the different things that I'm learning about this. And the first thing this week, I have the list of the AIP foods to avoid. Now, I'm not going to go through all of this partially because it's a copyrighted autoimmune paleo certified coach and I paid to go to the naturopath to receive this information. Right. And that's fair, right? To like ex respect that. But, you know, grains, just you wouldn't even believe. It's like every grain and not just every grain, but like pseudo grains like amaranth and buckwheat, quinoa. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, all the gluten, anything that has gluten in Which it. Which you could do wheat, quinoa. Wheat, barley, bulgur, farro, rye, so this is even more restrictive. Oh, what? it's way more restrictive. I went up to Austin this last weekend and we went to Trader Joe's and went in and bought things at Trader Joe's. That's what we do when we go out of town. And partially it's still taking the easy way out on things. I'm trying to find fast food mm, so that I can go run in and grab a bite and then go back out and work in the garden. And we're not going to eat until we have a big meal at night. So I need a quick lunch. I need pre-prepared foods, you know, that kind of thing. And yeah. so it's the same. You're still looking for, and I can change it, but I can only change it so much. I still have to eat, right? I still have to have fast foods, things that I can eat quickly so that I don't have sure. to flip the whole kitchen, cook the whole kitchen, right? Think about the people that don't have as much time in the day as I have to do this or that we have to, or the finances, holy hell, the finances, to pull this off. Shit, I can't even go anywhere to eat in this town that doesn't cost us 50 bucks just for me alone to go eat. It's a well-known fact that to eat healthy is, they cover this in the original Food Inc., is more expensive than eating go f trash. Mm -hmm. Did you say the original Food Inc.? What does that mean? Food Inc. 2 coming later this year. I learned that today. I sent you a link about it. I'm curious to see an updated, because... In 2012, when I did my TED Talk, yeah. I talked about Food, Inc., that Food, Inc. was one of the things that I was like, oh, people are paying attention to this thing. Mm -hmm. That's good. That means there might be 1% of people that show up at a farmer's market and don't eat vegetables, which there are. So now what are they saying? Right. There's less than 1%. There's well, more farmer's markets. Well, what, what are they saying yeah, now? Oh gosh, <laughs> we're going to get all into Food, Inc., but the central tenet of it that larger fewer corporations being in control of the food that has not that is not really a trend that has changed mm -mm. so it's gonna they're gonna open our eyes to a lot of things some of the other things that are listed of course are dairy this time no ghee yogurt it even says yogurt on here which that's i a, ate yogurt today i didn't realize that yogurt have. was on here i can eat non-dairy yogurt yeah. okay so i eat non-dairy yogurt that's right legumes all the legumes that was the same as whole 30 except this is even even some of the legumes you could eat with the whole 30, none of those. And then, of course, all kinds of processed foods, processed vegetable oils, processed foods, chemicals, and ingredients. This is an important part. These, the processed foods, the added sugars, the sugar alcohols, the non-nutritive sweeteners, all of those things, 
you can go in and buy, you can, I can have dried fruits of certain kinds, right? right? Uh, tropical fruits, apples, basically things where I'm not eating the seeds of things. Right. Dried fruits. You went to the store yesterday. Well, I asked you, can we start this diet when we get back from New Orleans? And you've got an urgency and that totally makes I'm sense. Sick. And then I've been getting home a lot later, which is, I'm thinking that out for the rest of the week. I'm like, I've got to make a meal last night so that you can have some good foods to eat. Let me go to the grocery store. What's on this list? Dried fruits. Okay. Unless you're going to a health food grocery store, there's not dried fruits where ingredient number two is sugar. That's a big deal. Not only that, but there's all Added kinds sugar. of emulsifiers and all of these processed vegetable oils and food chemicals and all these ingredients, which for years I've said only real ingredients. If it says cane sugar, that's okay. If it says, you know, it's got to be real ingredients, leave out all that other crap. But it is still really hard. There is something in almost everything. Well, how many unanswered questions have we done over the three and a half years that we've done this podcast where we're asking, what is this thing in the ingredient list? Carrageenan, guess what? On the list. Of Don't foods eat to avoid. Yep, yep. I mean, the list of that stuff is crazy long. And then here's some other things that were on. You could We could eat them with Whole30. No nuts and no seeds. And then, of course, no nightshades, bell peppers, cayenne peppers, eggplants, tomatoes, potatoes. You can eat sweet potatoes because they're not a nightshade, but you can't eat regular potatoes. You also can't drink coffee. Now, this, this diet's crazy. <laughs> Listen, this is the reason why I said I'm, I'm sick. But co like, coffee is because it's derived from a bean? Yep, a seed. It's a seed. Oh. And you're soaking the seed. That's how you get coffee. I mean, well, you're grinding the seed and then soaking the seed. And, of course, all of the alcohol is out as well. Eggs. Eggs are out. So how this works is it's 30, 60 to 90 days. So 30 days... How am I doing? How am I feeling? What are the changes going on? They basically have said most people have to go up to 90 days. Mm -hmm. And then the introduction, like I tried to actually do the elimination thing where I would do like one food after Whole30, eat it, and then decide whether I felt sick afterwards. You just went all back in again. You didn't do elimination diet as far as I'm concerned. You did a diet and then you went back on a regular diet. This, even the elimination reintroduction is... Regimented. Eat a... Half a cup of something, wait 15 minutes. If you don't notice anything, eat a little bit more. Yeah. Wait 15 more minutes. If you have a problem, start over. If you don't have a problem, it's like, if you do have a problem, do this. If you don't have a problem, do this. And it's got like even a phased out reintroduction. So that'll be in a month, two months, three months where I'll be able to reintroduce things. But going to New Orleans... You guys, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed about life right now. Oh, big time. We talked about a part of New Orleans and the way that we travel in general is it's an orgy of fantastic local foods. Mm -hmm. I can eat olives. <laughs> it sounds extreme, but intellectually, it sounds like you are taking to maximum heart any time that you've ever heard someone say, oh, I've got this wrong with me or that wrong with me. Then someone says, oh, I've heard about that. They say that you shouldn't eat tomatoes. And we go, that's an option, but I love tomatoes. 
and I love spaghetti sauce, mm -hmm. and I love ketchup. You're taking all of those anecdotes and doing it all of the same time with the foods, it sounds like, that can really engage the immune system to backfire on itself all at once. Yeah, especially when it gets back to that leaky gut is the, yeah. like the thing that's causing the autoimmune disorder, most likely. I sat you down on the bed the other day. And this is what I truly believe. This is the reason why I started doing a little bit more research to understand what they're saying about the comparableness of um, autoimmune disorders to cancer. Because I believe that what we're going to see over the next decade as it relates to this or the next however many years, whatever, things happen very fast these days, could be the next year, is that when someone comes home with an autoimmune disorder diagnosis, people are as afraid of that as they are of cancer. And... I sat you down on the bed the other day and I said, this is how serious we have to begin taking this. I need my stress level to change. Mm -hmm. I need to take this diet seriously. It can't be like, oh yeah, like, well, we're just going to just go ahead and eat that because, and I need the support of other people that don't just go, oh, but just this one time, mm -hmm. you, it'll make you feel better here. I made have this, this special. I can't do it. I can't, I, I'm, I'm serious about this. This is the way I think about it. If diet is what's causing me some of the stress and anxiety and mental like strain that I'm dealing with in life and can clear up my mental fog and can just get me just enjoying life without having to be struggling through so much crap, I will do anything. Not only that, but I'll do anything if I can do 30, 60, 90 days and then say, okay, well, the main things you need to cut out are this, this, and this. And then you can get back to eating this, 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 and this, and this. Then I know what my diet is. I yeah, it's know just a, it's a journey things, to go on. But it's a big deal. And I'm taking it seriously. Mm -hmm. And just because I don't immediately go to the doctor and go, I need, you know, and get on the medicine and get the surgeries and do all the things doesn't mean that I don't take it just as seriously as anybody else does. I mentioned a while ago that we're judgmental. And until we get knocked way back, we don't see things in a different way. I remember when people would come to sit at the table and they would be asking questions. This was before I got into like really asking lots of questions about where does your fish come from? Where does your meat come from? Mm -hmm. Where does your cheese come from? The truck. What's in this? What's in that? What's in this? This was even before that. And mm -hmm. even during that time, it was like, good Lord, they can't eat anything. And the thing is, is that I feel bad for how judgmental I was about that. Like gluten, you know, like gluten tomatoes. Gluten-free, when that first came on the yeah. scene, I, what are they talking about? Right. Well, but now it's very real and very well established. Yeah. But if you think about it, those people were even more so on the cutting edge. And in fact, yeah. they were going into doctors, finding symptoms online and saying, I think I might have this thing called fibromyalgia and... It says that if I don't eat this and don't eat, and, and basically people were like laughing at them. Right. And they're like, I, I, I'm miserable. I have chronic pain. I have chronic fatigue. I cannot do anything. And I don't know what to do about it. And the only thing I can come up with is that this one doctor over here that everyone calls a quack is saying, you know, don't eat these things. Try this. Don't eat this. So it's all an experiment. You know, it's gotten me back to that just yet again. It's all an experiment. And at the end of the day, the less judgmental we are, like I have to go in. We went to Bellino's last night. I love them. They take very good care of me. They know I have diet issues. They know I'm particular about my diet. But I'm almost embarrassed to go eat there at my friend's restaurant 
This because you're gonna. I get it. Hold this on. Crazy busy restaurant, right? right? I won't be able to eat a lot of the food in here unless you can accommodate something a little different than what's on the line. You basically have to make me a completely different dish. I have to tell you exactly what you can cook me. What do you have? Mm -hmm. Okay, I can eat that. With that, you can only use these seasonings, these seasonings. I can't even eat black pepper, you guys. Like, black pepper. Because it's part of the pepper family. It's a seed. Right. It's one of the... you You can eat leaves, so like basil and lavender and cilantro. You can eat that, but you can't eat seeds. So I couldn't eat cumin and coriander and that kind of stuff. Right. Right. Okay. I went there last night because we had a family friend in town and everybody wanted to go to dinner and I don't want to be left out. And I'm on the way to the restaurant complaining the whole way there about diet. This same conversation you guys are going to get it. You're getting the dinner table talk that happened last night. Mm. And I'm just like, I'm so sad because I want to go on vacations and eat delicious food. And I want to go out with my friends and eat delicious food. And I don't want to have to. So I'm just going to go and I'm going to eat olives. I can eat olives, you know, whatever. But the waitress comes over and she's actually one of the managers and she knows me really well. And I said, I need to talk to you about something. It was quiet. We, they put us in the, the back room, you know, they take, they take really good care of us because it was a packed house and there were six of us and we didn't have a reservation and they just opened up the other room that didn't even have anybody in it to put us in. You know, that's the kind of care they take of us. And it was quiet in there. And the manager had come out to wait on us. And I said, I need to talk to you about something. My diet has gotten even more strict. And I said, fish. Can you do fish with like lemon? It has to be cooked in olive oil. I could eat like maybe spinach, garlic and onion is okay. No dairy, no butter. Yeah. None of that stuff. No black pepper. Make sure they don't put any black pepper, you know. And she's like, let me go talk to the chefs. Phoebe and she named one of the other chefs back there, but Phoebe's the head chef. She goes back there and she comes out and she's like, absolutely. We're working through this. And she asked me a few questions. What about this? And I was like, nope, I can't eat that. She's like, okay. And then they brought me out the most delicious yeah. slice of grouper cooked to perfection with some sauteed greens with garlic and onion. My God, it was so good, you guys. And I couldn't, I feel like I want to cry right now because I was so thankful for my friends. There's at least one place to go in town. Yeah. And I know there's some other places I could go in town too. And I just have to be firm and this is what I can eat. And this is what I can eat. And can you help me out with this by doing it exactly this way? But we're paying $50 for a plate of my food because I just asked the chef at one of the nicest restaurants in town to give me the cleanest, most special off the side, you know, dish of food. And I feel sad for everyone about this particular subject and sad for me too. <laughs> it's just a journey. Is that, is that it? I'm going to try to stick to that. It's just a journey. I'm going to be grateful for the crisis because at the end of the day, I'm going to help people in our community have better options for what to eat and what things they can eat. I went on Thrive last night. It's one of these places we order off of and they have this ability to like choose your menu. I can actually click on that AIP diet, and then it'll give me the brands and the things they have available. Well, once I can see the brands there, then I can go to our natural grocers that we have in our community now, and I know they have those things, most Some of, of them, them yeah. mm-hmm. on their shelves too. Because going to the grocery store and reading every single label and then going back to the list, and I didn't even give you the list, I just gave you like a quick run through of the foods 
to avoid. Now there's a whole list of you can eat these foods. It's so much. And I'm grateful to have the opportunity to learn so that I can help other people and myself. Let's bring this episode home with our unanswered question of the week. So this is the first time we've done anything like this before. We unanswered questioned the definition of a word in last week's random question of the week. And we're going to do that random question of the week again. Mm -hmm. Read it again. Which is the most important virtue? And then it's let's define virtue. A couple of dictionary definitions of virtue. Behavior showing high moral standards. Conformity to a standard of right or morality. Mm -hmm. With me so far? Mm -hmm. But the word virtue has got a longer Wikipedia list than autoimmune disorders. <laughs> That's because, oh, like I said last week, how do you decide what virtue can you even choose if you... It's based on your religious or moral coding or... Think about early man and the idea that morals didn't exist... And all of a sudden, we as a emerging society are creating morals. Are you sure morals didn't exist in early man? You don't think one early man and another early man and like one early man killed and the other early man didn't kill? An emerging sense of what is morality. Right. From that point of view. Then start throwing in social structures. And then start throwing in the earliest of religions into modern religion. Mm -hmm. And when you consider that a society or powers in a society are creating the virtue that we're going to live by, there might be some debate about whether or not that's a virtue that all should live by. Right. Or that exactly. that's the most important or that that list is the most important. Or how did you get to that list or why is that moral the most important one and when do they change? So as long as there's been thought that led into philosophy, there has been schools of thought on virtue. Mm -hmm. Aristotelian virtue. Mm -hmm. Socratic thoughts of virtue. Mm -hmm. Then the religions start getting a hold of it. And according to Christian religion, let's start there. There are seven virtues. There's the four cardinal virtues, prudence, justice, temperance, fortitude. Those are man-made virtues. And then three theological virtues, the concept being that God gave us these three to make seven total, faith, hope, and charity. Then there's the idea that there's the seven deadly sins, greed, lust, and that the virtues are kind of like the spectrum opposite of the sin. Mm -hmm. So instead of lust, you have temperance, for example. Well, then if the question is, what's the most important virtue? Are we going from that list? Right. Because every world religion through time has got their list. Yeah. This one's got a list of 12 virtues. This one's got a list of 14 virtues. Mm -hmm. Or you go to Google, here's a list of 100 virtues. Mm -hmm. And now we're starting to now you know begin why I to said blend. Yeah, with, said. without a doubt. Mm -hmm. Read the question again. Which is the most important virtue? So my first question is what guides your virtues? And that's what I said. My, what I said last week was non-dualism, the interconnectedness, one is what guides my virtues. So my virtue is do unto others as you would do it done to yourself. If I don't want it done to me, then I'm not going to do it to you. Period. End of story. Right. Or even a 
larger extrapolation of that, if it doesn't benefit the whole. That's correct. Which is the then same. Then it should not be done. That's the same to me. Right. It's all the same. If I don't want to be uh, raped and plundered and pillaged, then I won't do it to the earth either because we're interconnected in my guide, in my guidelines. It's a very big question mm-hmm. with a very large answer. I don't believe that they are prescribed a declining order of value. They're probably equally important. Well, I mean, I, I feel like what they're asking you, I feel like the question is asking essentially what guides you to make the moral decisions that you make. What behavior? What's the biggest one? What's the one? And you said last week, like honesty for me. I and at figured the end that of the would day, be your answer. We talked about it some more and I said, well, I guess understanding interconnectedness, if I had to pick one, it would be wisdom, wisdom, discernment. What What guides me to believe in interconnectedness? Yeah. What guides me to believe in interconnectedness is a virtue that I have wisdom. Which behavior showing high moral standards is the most important one? I'm going to go with kindness. Well, I mean, that's do unto others as you would have them do unto you, I suppose. But how are we going to debate this? Honesty or kindness is more important than the other because they are kind of interconnected. Yeah. And that's the reason why I pick them up and say, this is a stupid question it's two it's one that's it if we don't understand that it's all interconnected if we don't understand that we can't compartmentalize things if we don't understand that it is a whole wholeness i'm reading a book called radical wholeness now it is blowing my mind at how directly it is connected to all the crises that are going on in the world right now it's about the fact that we as humans have objectified everything compartmentalized everything Everything has a place. Everything has boundaries. Even when we die, we want to be put in a box and pickled so that we stay this. I don't want that at all. Oh, I definitely don't want that. Going to the grocery store and reading every single label. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you.